If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is the morning after, uh, and I mean that in the best of senses. Uh, Today is the morning after the late night leaking of a draft opinion letter written by Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, in which he holds that we we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, is what he writes in an initial majority draft, which has been circulated inside the court. This has obviously set off a lot of opinions, very, very strong opinions. It appears to be a, a, a true draft. It's a 98-page document. Uh, it strikes down um, Roe versus Wade uh, in many uh, cases, in many uh, ways. It specifically names abortion as the right that the so-called right that the case is taking into account. It's not talking about privacy. It's not talking about any other, you know made-up thing. It's specifically talking about abortion. One of the quotes from the draft says, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. This is uh, according to uh, Politico, who has the exclusive copy of this thing they leaked it last night so i want to talk about what i think are the three biggest takeaways from this event uh because you're going to hear a lot of noise about this from all media catholic media secular media um the three most important takeaways in my opinion are as follows first of all we have to examine the fact that uh look it's good news um it's good news if, if this is indeed true. It's good news if, uh, if Samuel Alito has drafted a majority opinion 
representing at least five votes on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states. Now, it doesn't ban abortion in the United States of America. I wish it did. It sends it back to the states. So it allows individual states to ban it or to legalize it. So we sort of know how that is going to look in the United States right now. We sort of know the 30 or 35 uh, states that are going to ban abortion that are red states that are, you know, have what it takes to to limit it or ban it. Um, and then there are like five states that are going to do, you know, su- su- strict limitations on it, but still keep it legal in certain cases. And then you've got the, the elitists on the coast plus, you know, Illinois, who are for sure going to you know expand abortion rights and maybe even bring it into infanticide. Who knows? Um, so I think I think this is good news insofar as. You look at the overall total number of uh, murders of innocent human lives in the United States are about to go down once this uh, once this opinion is codified and released to the public, which I believe is supposed to be in June, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. I think it's supposed to be over the summer that these opinions get released. So we're about a month out from hearing this uh, in in an official way. So it's mixed. It's a mixed bag, but mostly good. Now. For all the opinion people out there that give their opinion for for a living, there are people who give their opinion for a living out there who are trying to bludgeon you right now into just assuming that this is unqualified good news. That this is the best news in a generation. And maybe it's some of the best news in a generation, but that doesn't stop us from using our critical thinking skills and looking at why now. So that's my first observation about this is the fact that... Uh, there's this is an unprecedented event in the history of the Supreme Court. Unprecedented at all. And, and, and it's never happened before that a draft opinion has been leaked to the public. There are only two possible people, uh, ranks of people in, 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 the, in the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, according to some people who observe these things, who could have done this. It's either a justice himself or herself who could have leaked this or one of the clerks to the justices and, and clerking for a Supreme court justice is a huge honor. It's a, it's a hot, it's a very tough job to get. They have a certain number of clerks per, uh, per justice. Those clerks tend to go on to become judges themselves. Many of the justices sitting on the Supreme court right now were clerks for, uh, for prior um, justices on the Supreme court. I'm pretty sure ACB was a clerk for, uh, one of them, and you know, even even very famous legal commentators uh, who are who are around, all got their start in this very very prestigious, very very scrutinized position as being a Supreme Court clerk. So either a clerk or a justice leaks this out, and it's never been done before. Okay, so let's start from that premise. It's we have never once in the history of these United States, to to my knowledge or to the knowledge of uh, anyone who's observing this thing. We have not seen a leak like this before. So why would we see a leak now? Why now? I mean, that's a fair question. What makes this case different from any other case? You know, you have really high stakes cases involving gun rights or involving taxation or involving Obamacare. We never had leaks on those things, right? Um, So I think if you look at this holistically, and I'm not trying to drag everybody down some conspiratorial point, you know, path, but... Consider what I told you on the rundown this past week. And if you haven't subscribed to the new rundown channel and you missed the rundown, um, you should definitely get over there. It's, it's, uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but the rundown has its own YouTube channel. 
Twitter has opened up in these last few days. Twitter has absolutely opened up ever since Elon Musk made a, an offer to buy it. But his offer to buy it is just that. It's an offer to buy it. It's like when you, when you put an offer on a house, it's not your house. If they accept your offer, but you haven't closed yet, you can't move in. You're not changing the facade on the house. You're not, you're not redesigning the kitchen. You're not sending your contractors in. You don't own the property yet. You have no control over it. You don't have the keys. That's exactly where, uh, that's exactly where uh, we are right now with Elon Musk buying Twitter. And yet, even though he's, you know, let's say, let's, let, to, to use real estate terms, he's in escrow right now. Right. And he's he's trying to raise the funds and he's showing him proof of funds and he's doing his due diligence and he's inspecting the house. And, you know, he's going to ask for tweaks and all this stuff. He doesn't own the house yet. But imagine that if the guy just moves in and starts making changes, that's what's happened to Twitter. So the last couple of days, a man who doesn't own the company, exercises no control over the company, is taking credit now or being given credit for opening the, the, the whole uh, website back up. Uh, and ending shadow banning. So what you're having, okay, so let's let's back up here. A man is who is not buying Twitter has opened Twitter back up just days before an unprecedented, without precedent, never happened before, leak of a draft opinion on the Supreme Court of the United States. Never happened before. And now everyone is able to freely talk about it in, in open terms. You can use the word infanticide on Twitter now. I think that, uh, you know, I think that as you look at it, n- n- everything happens for a reason. Nothing is an accident. And, and leaks are strategic. This is a strategic leak. Absolutely. The most generous, the most innocuous, the least conspiratorial version of the leak that, that, you, can, that you can come up with is as follows. And, I, and I, think, uh, I think Dr. Taylor Marshall put something like this out on Twitter just um, less than an hour ago. This could be a left-wing activist uh, clerk for Sotomayor who is trying to stoke rage and prepare you know, the left-wing hordes for a, a violent summer when this thing actually comes out. This is them trying to signal to their ground troops through Antifa and Black Lives Matter and everyone else who's going to uh, receive pallets of bricks in every major downtown in the United States. Get ready, you know, move your pallets of bricks, bus people in, get your hotel rooms because things are going to get wild. This is what's happening. So um, maybe it's also, uh, you know, you, you can escalate the, the, the conspiracy up just a little bit and say, wow, what are we not talking about right now? And that's that's some, that's a question that I think everybody needs to become adept at asking. What are we not talking about? We're not talking about Russia, Ukraine. We're not talking about inflation. We're not talking about the collapse of the U.S. dollar and the financial insecurity. We're not talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. We're not talking about COVID. What's COVID? Anybody ever heard of it? Never heard of it, right? It's like it never happened. Now we're all talking about this and we all know what's going to happen. So, I think I think that there's there's something to that as well. Um, and so that's the first takeaway is there's a reason why this has never happened before and it's happening now. There's a reason for that. And I think that it's not beyond the pale to at least ask the question, how in the world did Elon Musk open up Twitter without even opening it, without even owning it, 
days before this unprecedented release of a of a lifetime news story, once in a lifetime news story. And now everybody can supposedly talk about it in the open. I think that's insane. I think that's crazy that those two things happened within days of each other. It, it, it can't be a coincidence. <clears throat> Second point. Second point is, and I don't know if, if you all remember this, and I, I sort of vaguely remember this. When the Obamacare decision came out, the very famous Obamacare decision, while, while Barack Hussein Obama was still in the White House, and there was a 5-4 decision, and it was upholding Obamacare. And this was right before the election, and many people thought that this is what helped elect Donald Trump, because then he could run on, hey, I'm going to fix the court. Uh, but uh, if, if, you, um, if you remember that case... Observers of the court at the time, the SCOTUS blogs of the world and, and, and people who pay much more attention than you and I have time to pay attention to it, reread Justice Clarence Thomas's dissenting view. And when they read his dissenting view, what they read in his view was that this was a man who was appeared to be writing a majority opinion at one point and then had to edit his opinion to be the dissenting view because typically the dissenting view doesn't use such superlative and scathing language that Clarence Thomas used in his dissenting opinion on the upholding of Obamacare. And so what people speculated about, uh, and this is all speculation, but I think that this is important to, this is important for this. So this is point number two is that, there may have been a vote change. There may have been a vote change along the way. In other words, Clarence Thomas may have been told, this is a 5-4 against Obamacare. And then somebody pulled the rug out from under him and changed his vote. And so Clarence Thomas's majority opinion then became the minority opinion. And I think that there's some, there's, there's some possible truth to this because uh, Chief Justice John Roberts who supposedly is Catholic, signaled very strongly that he was going to vote against Obamacare. And it was a big surprise when he voted for Obamacare to uphold it, to enshrine it as law. So John Roberts, who was a Bush appointee, uh, he was an associate justice under Bush, and then he was like two years later, three years later, immediately elevated to chief justice of the Supreme Court. John Roberts changed his vote in the last, in the last minute and i think i think that this is really key here because this can happen there's evidence at least uh ostensibly there's evidence that the vote's not final till it's final and that's my and that's my uh my second takeaway look i used to be in the in the mergers and acquisitions business you know and a deal is never closed until the wires are transferred until the money is received until the ink is dry on the page right so I think as we look at this, okay, is it a good news thing that that it appears as though there are at least five votes to undo Roe versus Wade? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But is it a true? Is it true that that's actually going to happen? Is it true that there are five votes cast in stone and it can't change between now and when this opinion is released? I don't know the answer to that question. 
What I do know is that it appeared as though there were five votes against Obamacare, and then one of the members of the Supreme Court, namely John Roberts, changed his vote in the last minute, and it left Clarence Thomas kind of holding the bag on the on the opinion. And a lot, like, like I said, a lot of court observers looked at that and said, Thomas's dissenting opinion is so scathing and so over the top and so superlative and written like a majority opinion it's it's kind of weird it's it's it is as though he wrote the majority opinion and then had to taper it back and edit it down and turn it into the dissenting opinion in the in the final hours i don't know if that's true maybe it is and if it is true uh then maybe we should be a little bit concerned because the ultimate so what on this thing the ultimate takeaway for point number two is that if the ink's not dry, if the votes aren't cast, if if the if this leak isn't the true and final copy of the of the opinion of the court, then it can be changed. And if it can be changed, then you know exactly why this thing was released to the public and leaked to the public. Clearly, somebody doesn't want this to go through. Clearly, somebody wants to put personal pressure on the justices of the Supreme Court of the United States their families, the clerks, the pro-life movement in general, law and order in general, uh, the safety and security and, and, and good order and discipline of, of you know, sit private citizens around the country. Uh, clearly, clearly, uh, the leak is designed to change a vote. And what, I, what I'm arguing is that there is probably precedent for a vote changing in the 11th hour. Uh, and I'm pointing to the Obamacare decision as proof of that. And so what we need to be concerned about is that happening again, a vote changing in the 11th hour. Now, I wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put it past the powers that be to leak a fake copy, uh, to get everyone riled up, to get everybody animated over the, you know, a, a midterm summer. Remember the summer of 2020? Uh, remember this, you know, when when we had you had Black Lives Matter and you had Antifa riots and you had a meltdown in, in, in law and order in this country. Um, I wouldn't put it past anyone to try to engineer something like that merely to create chaos, merely to distract you from what they don't want you looking at, which is maybe it's Russia and Ukraine. Maybe it's the financial transactions. Maybe it's the digital uh, central reserve bank. Maybe it's the... Uh, you name it, right? Maybe it's COVID 2.0 or smallpox or whatever it is, right? There's something that they don't want us looking at, and that's why they leaked it out. But the vote isn't done until it's done, and that's point number two. So uh, recommendation is that we pray, pray hard, pray every day that this is the vote, that the vote is the vote, that these votes are cast, that they, that they, are, that they don't change between now and the release of the opinion, um, and that it is what it is. Okay, finally, I think I've alluded to this point number three. And again, when you're in battle, when you're in a war and you win a battle, certainly take take a pause and uh, celebrate a tactical victory. And that's what this is. This is a tactical victory. So uh, it appears to be a tactical victory. If this May leaking of what is going to be a June opinion, so there's a there's at least a month between now and when it's going to come out. If this holds firm, it's a, definitely a tactical victory. But should we take the month off? And should we just celebrate? Should we sit on our heels? No. And what I don't understand is that the commentary, the commentariat on YouTube and Twitter are all bludgeoning people 
into 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 having good and happy whole, uh, healthy feelings about this. I, I see people who are like editors of newspapers, and they're like, "Well, if you're 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 not a real Catholic if you're not celebrating right now." I'm sorry, we are in a war, and we haven't won the war. And even this, if it's true and it's just a tactical victory, we have we have we have to strategically still defeat abortion in this country. And 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 I think Abby Johnson's characterization of of defining what victory is is the right one. We we don't win if we outlaw abortion. We win when abortion is unthinkable, when we render it unthinkable in this country. So if California and New York and Oregon and Washington and Virginia and Illinois and take your pick are all going to continue to murder children, then we're still in a war. And when you're in a war, if you if you know in the Battle of Fallujah, if you if you take you know a strategic position, uh, if you take uh, ten blocks of of uh, square foot, but you haven't taken the whole city, you don't just sit down and sing Kumbaya, and you don't have the commentariat telling you, "Hey, just take a bow, everyone, pat yourselves on the back. We did a good job. Why don't we have some tea and cookies?" No, you have to continue on, soldier. You have to continue on. Right. So, yeah, acknowledge the win. And it is a win. I hope it's a win. I sincerely hope it's a win. But don't tell me that I'm not Catholic if I don't think that it's a big enough win. Don't tell me that I'm not Catholic if I don't smell something weird going on. And so that's that's sort of like my final point here is that. There's going to be backlash to this. The reason why it was leaked out is to engineer a false flag. The reason why it was leaked out is to distract us from thinking about the things that, you know, that that the regime doesn't want us to be thinking about. The reason why it was leaked out is to is to try to change the votes, to put pressure on John Roberts or AOC or uh, uh, ACB or anybody else. So the war is continuing. And I don't think that we should count our chickens before they hatch. But if we're going to count on anything happening. If we're going, if 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 we're going to be sure about any one thing happening this summer, this June, it's that things are going to get wild. Things are going to get wild. This was officially putting all the goons and the thugs and the and the and the anarchists on notice. This was giving them permission to make their hotel reservations and to book their flights, and to and to bring their gear. And to prepare to tear this country apart. This was get this this strategic leak, and that's what this is, is a, is a strategic leak was designed to incite sectarian violence in the United States. That's what it was designed to do. That's the intention behind it. The fact that people are calling for the FBI to come in and investigate the leak and all that, what what is the FBI gonna do? The the, the FBI that had Hunter Biden's laptop for the last two years and hasn't done anything with it. The same FBI that I mean, what, what are you know? Uh, I digress. So what we're going to see. So that my my third point is this. What does this mean to you and your family? I think it's urgent. I think it's urgent. If you have watched the rundown, you know that we have talked about agnosium, preparing for an event, preparing for the worst, food supply. Uh, food processing plants burning down, uh, currency failing, um, 
COVID 4.0, the swine flu, they're killing chickens. You know, it's, it's this confluence of things. You got midterms coming. You have a deeply unpopular president. You have a war that we're we, that nobody supports. You have the Ministry of Truth coming down on people. You have uh, working for Homeland Security. Homeland Security now deciding what's true, what's false. This is the event, though. This is the event that kicks off what I believe will become sectarian violence. If you if you think that Chaz was interesting to look at in in downtown seattle or in downtown portland you know these these zones of just you know hippie violence that were that were unpoliced uh and permitted to exist if you thought that the that the violence in baltimore when the when the mayor there said you know just give them space to tear some things down and to get it out of their system that is all going to look like child's play compared to what's going to happen and look there are revolutionaries in our government and there are revolutionaries in our society. And there are certain types of people who have been revolutionaries for their entire lives and it's in their blood. It's just how they operate. So fomenting instability and revolution is just a natural muscle movement. It's just a natural instinct for the global homo communist Zionist revolution. That's what, that's what, we're, hap- that's what we're witnessing right now. And um, and that's why there was a strategic leak here. That's why they're putting their thugs on notice. That's why the George Soros money is going to start to flow again. We're going to see, you know, pallets of bricks and, and materials and, and, and uh, you know, siege materials. Siege materials end up in, just magically dropped off in downtowns around the country. And the news media will be fantastically incurious about how that all came to be. Uh, remember when Hillary Clinton described the attacks on Benghazi as a spontaneous attack? It was all spontaneous. You know, suddenly, uh, I mean, who doesn't carry around a mortar, uh, when they're walking around and just spontaneously employ mortars on Benghazi? That's what's going to happen here. We're going to see quote unquote spontaneous, mostly peaceful protests in these United States where, you know, I, who doesn't, who doesn't travel to downtown Detroit with a pallet of bricks? Who doesn't go to Jackson with a pile with a pallet of bricks? You know. So uh, thank you, dear leader. Thank you, dear leader, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden. Um, you will have successfully presided over one of the biggest, I think, false flags in the history of the country. And by the way, for what it's worth, I do think that. Whoever leaks this opinion, uh, they'll never be tried. They'll never be found. They'll never be charged. But you and I, you and I both know this. That's the real insurrection. That's the real insurrection. The strategic leaking of the Alito opinion is an act of insurrection. It is absolutely designed and intended to create sectarian violence around these United States, and to pull our country apart. January 6th was not an insurrection. They like to call it that. That's a false flag. This, this is the real insurrection. And, um, you know, no one's going to call it that besides those people who are paying attention. Thank you for watching this video. Please like and share it. 
I hope these three things are helpful for you. Stock up on supplies and get ready. You know, I was just, I just tweeted the other day or last night. This weekend, I was just like reorganizing some of my valuables and, and I went back into my safe and I was like, you know, playing around with my with my kit. I kept this kit uh, in my car, actually. It was like, a, you know, in, in the summer of 2020, you know, in, in the event that, you know, Antifa or Black Lives Matter, because I used to live much closer to the downtown and my church is downtown. And the church that I go to is like one block from government buildings. So I just thought, look, if it came to it and I had to defend the, you know, the, the tabernacle, I, I'm going to need, you know, certain supplies to do that if, if I'm going to personally do that. So I kept my kit available and I was just reorganizing my kit a couple days ago. And I was just thinking to myself, man, it's nice. I haven't really thought about having to use this in a while. Well, it's time to, um, it may be time for everybody to, dust off your Antifa Black Lives Matter church response kits. And I certainly recommend that people understand the very principles of, of self-defense. You have a natural right to defend yourself, your family, your life, and your property. And you have a natural right to employ a pro- proportionate force to do so. And if you are unable to defend yourself from a violent mob, which most individuals cannot defend themselves from a violent mob, you have the absolute right to band together with your fellow Catholics in order to protect yourself and your family and your property. That's just the principle. That's the Catholic principle. That's how it works. So if we're not networking with our local Catholics, we're talking neighborhood by neighborhood. If we're not having action plans together and how to respond to counter, counter-revolutionaries, we're not going to make it. God bless you. Thanks for watching. Share and like the show. Subscribe to the channel.